0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION
1: to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast.
2: The attribute that I picked was uh, God is wise. Not because I'm wise, but who's the wisest person you've ever met? You know, a lot of people say, well, maybe my grandparents or, you know, maybe your parents. Maybe when you were young, you were growing up and you looked at your parents and thought, boy, they are really wise. You know, when you're small, your dad fixes everything, your mom knows all this stuff, and then you become a teenager and they forget everything they knew, right? They're no longer wise. And then they get married, you know, um, end up having kids of their own. And then they come back and say, somehow you just got more wise again, right? So in order to take a look at the attribute of God is wise, I think we need to first define what is wisdom. And so a really good um, saying that I've heard is an intelligent person knows what to say. A wise person knows when to say it. Because intelligence isn't wisdom. Intelligence is knowing a lot of things. Wisdom is being able to apply those things you learned into practical, practical life. So let's take a look at how God is wise by looking at Romans um, 16, 27. Paul closes the book of Romans off with a a little thing. He says, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. When I first read this, I started thinking about the only wise God. Well, you can look at that from, from my perspective. I looked at it and said, why is he saying of all the gods that are out there, he's the only one that's wise? And in my study, I started realizing that it's not that out of all the gods, he's the only one that's wise. The original language actually ties only and wise together as a thought. And what that says is God is only wise. In other words, he's wise all the time, and he's infinitely wise. And he's never not wise. Wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) To be able to never make a bad decision. Never do something that really isn't very wise. If we look at other scriptures, uh, 1 Timothy 1.17 says Paul. uh, Paul also says to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. The honor and glory forever and ever, amen. And the reason I wanted to point this out is Paul in the previous verse that I read was not saying that there's many gods. He's saying he's the only God and God is only wise. So let me illustrate a little bit about God's wisdom. We'll never be able to, to see all of God's wisdom. But as we look at the universe... You know, we try to count the stars. How many stars are out there? Does anybody know? Anybody counted them? Um, Every time we invent something new to be able to see further into space, we find more stars. And as I did a little bit of study, according to NASA.gov right now, with the newest technology that they have, they now believe there is at least one septillion stars. I've never heard of that before, but evidently that's a number. It's actually a one with 24 zeros. Didn't know that even existed. Just our Milky Way, the the galaxy that we are in right here, has 100 billion stars. So if we were to take the, the Milky Way galaxy and multiply it by 100 billion, you would still be short of a septillion just to kind of give you the awesome nature of the wisdom of God. Did you hear the story of the scientist who said, we have become so wise, he he went to God and said, we've become so wise, we can actually create man out of the dust of the earth, just like you. He said, let me me demonstrate. So he reaches down, he starts putting the dirt together, and God says, hey, wait a minute, get your own dirt. Okay, does that not say the wisdom of God and, and the creation? One other thing, um, I got a cut the other day. It's uh, on my elbow here and my had no thought of it. it. It eventually clotted. And do you know what it takes for blood to clot? I didn't either until I uh, watched the uh, Truth Project. When you get a cut, automatically blood flow slows down in that area where the uh, cut is, and it's called vacular constriction. Your body limits the flow near the cut because it knows something is wrong, and of course you feel pain. A protein in your body called fibrinogen arrives near the cut. Fibrinogen is primarily responsible for stimulating platelet clumping. Thrombin, cuts off the ends of the fibrinogen platelets clump by binding to collagen and upon activation platelets release adenosine 5 diphosphate ADP and TXA which activate additional platelets serotonin phospholipids lipoproteins and proteins for coagulation activated platelets change their shape to accommodate the formation of the plug the Stewart factor converts th- prothrombin to thrombin, then converts fibrogen to fibrin. And there is much more to it, but that's just a small part of just the clotting part. Imagine what it takes to heal once it's clotted. He is so wise that it's a mystery to us. We can't even comprehend. My wife Rhonda and I were driving to Michigan from Wisconsin. And if you know that geography, Chicago is in between. And if you've ever driven through Chicago, you know it can be a a long time to get through, right? And this particular time as we were driving to Michigan, we hit a traffic jam and we were there for an hour before we moved. And, of course, we were visiting friends in Michigan, wanted to visit friends in Michigan, and we really wanted to get there. I was frustrated, to say the least. Um, I'm much better at that now, but still, it's, it's a weakness of mine. And we tried calling them, their mobile phone, home phone, all this stuff, and they didn't answer. When we finally got there, as we driving in their neighborhood, we saw trees down, we saw sticks everywhere. turned out there was a tornado that hit just some time before. And I started to think, what if we would not have had that traffic jam? So only God is wise and sometimes life throws curves. Sometimes we say, God, I don't think you know what you're doing because we end up in that traffic jam. But in the end, we know that he's working things out for our good and for his glory. So as I think about the wisdom of God, what are, what are you going through today? What am I going through today? Is it an upcoming storm? Is God holding us back so we don't experience the tornado? Or does God allow us to go through the tornado with us? When we were young, we wanted to run into the road, but our parents were wise and they made sure we didn't do it. Understanding that God is wise and He knows what's best for us, because of His wisdom, we can trust Him. And what I'd like to say today is because He is wise and He's looking out for our good and His glory, We can completely trust in his plan for our lives. Let's pray. Father, you are a wise God and we just cannot fathom the depth of your wisdom. Help us to love you and help us to trust you in times when we need you. We pray this in Jesus' name.
3: Good morning, church. For those of you who are new to real life, or if it's your first time back in a long time, we have a mantra here, and it's keep it real, keep it Jesus. And so as I stand here and get today started on the next attribute, I want to be able to keep it real with you, because that's what we do here. We don't want to have facades. This series on the attributes of God has been one that's going to mark the rest of my life. A conviction that I have felt throughout is that often my challenges and problems in life are inflated and then in that process I deflate God and I'm left with a little g God rather than that which he truly is, which is the great I am. An example of that would be from this very week. I spent the better part of eight hours straight trying to put together what I thought was a a sermon worthy of all of you beautiful people here. It was polished. It had scholarly quotes and scriptures, which are not bad in and of themselves. But if my goal is to stand here and to please you, then it's always going to fall flat. You see, we are all here to be able to bring praise and honor and glory to God. And so as I read eight hours of work on paper and felt a bit defeated, I just began praying. And pretty quickly, the Holy Spirit said, take your mask off. And so as we're here today, I want to invite all of us to be able to take our mask off as we gaze upon the Lord so that we can be able to be left on our knees in awe of this God. So as we've learned the last few weeks, as we look at the attributes of God, just some of them, the God that we are teaching about has revealed himself as righteous, holy, omnipresent, love grace omniscient sovereign omnipotent good merciful self-existent beautiful wise and immutable which i'll be sharing with you today so before i give you the definition of immutable i want us to contemplate all of these attributes and if we consider them i think we can pretty quickly conclude that the God that we are proclaiming is so other than we are. After all, everything that we can imagine in our own mind is a created concept, even if it's only in our mind, and it's less than who God is, because God is not a created being. When I looked at the definition of immutability, I went to Merriam-Webster, and the definition is as follows. Immutability means it is not capable of or susceptible to change. So to learn a little bit more, I scrolled down and there was a helpful tip that I found comical. And it said, did you know the very word immutable itself is mutable? Meaning it is subject to change and capable and prone to alteration. So as we attempt to do our best to use man-made words to define an infinite, eternal God, we need to be careful to consider him in a right way lest we get a God that is reduced down to be less than he actually is. While speaking on the holiness of God, A.W. Tozer writes, any deterioration within the unspeakably holy nature of God is impossible. Indeed, I believe it impossible to even think of such a thing. For the moment we attempt to do so, the object about which we are thinking is no longer God, but something else and something less than he is. We see this in scriptures like Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should change his mind? Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? We also see in verses, uh, we also see more scripture in Psalm chapter 102, verse 25 through 27. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands, They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. So as we looked at that picture of the galaxy, and this is saying that even when that fades, God still will be. Our mind cannot even fathom that. You see, when we say that God does not change, we mean that God does not change within himself. However, that is not to say that he does not differ in relation to you and to me. He does not differ within himself because he is holy and infinite and perfect and lives in harmony with himself, and that never changes. If we take a look at the world around us, and let's be honest, if we just took a look in a mirror and looked within ourselves, we can quickly conclude that we cannot measure up to this God. We are mutable creatures. We do not live in perfect harmony without changing. We are not perfect. We are not this holy God. And furthermore, God tells us that without receiving Christ in faith, that we are enemies of God. And we have to understand that we are enemies of God because of sin. God is holy and in him can be no darkness at all. And so what we have left is a problem. There's a chasm that's separating this infinite, holy and perfect God from us, these mutable creatures. And we have the gap between. And the, the sad part is that our morality works can never bridge that gap but there is good news though we live in an ever-changing and ever-morphing world we can anchor ourselves in an unchanging God through Jesus Christ Jesus tells us in Luke 19:10 that he came to seek and to save the lost Romans 5 8 puts it this way But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. The unchangeable Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, sacrificially laying down his life for us, the changeable, so that as we die to sin and a death like his, we might live life in a resurrection like his. One of the greatest hopes that we have in this life is our ability to change. Because when we receive Christ as our Savior, we have the seal of the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within us. Scripture says it this way in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, if you're sitting here and you've received Christ and you find yourself still battling with the same sin over and over that you keep trying to keep in the closet hidden, you don't have to keep it hidden. 1 John 1, 9, the unchangeable God says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not some, but all To the one who is struggling with an aging and decaying body. Or the one who was born with a disability and you've lived your whole life without being able to have full function. There's encouraging words in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, the inner man is being renewed day by day the process of changing a holy God, changing us to become more like him day by day. To those who are here and are lonely and anxious, we have encouraging words in Romans 8. It says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God. If there's someone here that's battling with a hard heart and you've just never let God into that hard heart or you have unforgiveness towards God, towards your parents or or an ex-spouse, we have encouraging words in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And God says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will remove a heart of stone and I will give them a heart of flesh the immutable, never-changing God. He is not static. He is not distant and far away, but He is alive. He's in our midst, and He is calling to each and every one of us. He is drawing us in as a loving Father, saying, come to me, all of you. And we have the hope that He will never change in that affection for you. Thank you, church.
4: Let's rise up and respond to our Father who loves us with an unchangeable love.
1: Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and ask that you turn our hearts and eyes towards you as we open your word. And all God's people said, Amen.
0: Amen. You can have a seat. I invite you to grab a Bible and find your way to Isaiah 6. And as you're turning to Isaiah chapter 6, um, I'm curious to know if you've ever been hiking on a trail and um, stopped... And heard something. I don't mean like hear something. I mean, have you ever been hiking near a river? Or have you ever been hiking toward a waterfall? And before you ever get to the river, before you ever get to the waterfall, you actually stop and say, can you, can you hear it? In other words, the force of the waterfall, it's like it's, it's coming down with such force. There's so much water. Or the river is rushing with such a powerful current that before you ever see it, you hear it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, ever, have you ever been in that situation? You know what happens when that, when, when that happens. You're, you're, you're going on a hike. You know you're wa- hiking to this waterfall. You know you're hiking to maybe to get to the river. You hear it. You know what happens? You start walking a little quicker. <laughs> because it's, it, it's like you can, you can feel the force of what you're hiking to. And, and hearing it causes you to want to get to it a little quicker so you can actually see it. That's been our whole goal, this sermon series. This sermon series of attributes of God. It's been our prayer. It's been our hope that you would hear something. That you would hear the Spirit of God speak to you about the the massive character of God. That you would hear the Spirit of God introduce a new attribute of God to you in such a way you would hear it on the trail of life that on Monday morning, you've got to rush into his presence. That you would hear something on Sunday morning that that stirs in your heart, that kind of jolts something that was stuck in you, and it gets unstuck, and you see with clear spiritual eyes, and it makes you long for the presence of God. It's like it's not good enough to just hear the whisper of the Spirit in a gathering like this. You must see him. You must see him for yourself. With your own eyes, you must see him with spiritual sight in your heart. That's been our hope. That's been our goal in this sermon series. You know, we were made for the transcendent. Like, we were, we were made to behold wonder. I remember years ago when we were living in New York City, we would have mission teams come up and partner with our work in the city. And a student minister once shared with me, he said, I love bringing my students to the city because there's not much left in the world that causes them to be in awe. But when he would bring his students into the city, they were just mesmerized. Well, students on a mission trip are not alone. Over 66 million tourists visit New York City every year. Why is that? It's because we were made with a longing to behold things that are glorious. That's the attribute that I'm preaching on this morning, the glory of God. God is glorious. One of my favorite pastors and authors um, has famously said over the years, the glory of God is a lot easier to describe than it is to define. Uh, But nonetheless, he takes uh, he takes a stab at defining that God is glorious or the glory of God in this way. John Piper says, the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. Manifest, meaning it's, 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 it's made visible. It's the manifest beauty of his holiness. He goes on to write this. He says, it's the going public of his holiness. It, it's the way He, God, puts his holiness on display for people like you and me to apprehend. So the glory of God is the holiness of God made manifest. And then he gives this extended definition. This is what he says. He says, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. In other words, there's not just one thing about God that's perfect. Everything about God is perfect. And it takes like books and books and books and books to try to summarize how God has revealed himself to his children in the sacred scriptures. And it's so important that we understand who he is and we too get a glimpse of his greatness and his majesty. Isaiah 6, as you're turning there, if you're familiar with that passage, you're you're probably going, okay, that passage is about the holiness of God. But I think perhaps this morning you might see something fresh about the glory of God. Look at it with me. If you found your way to Isaiah 6, just hold your Bible up. Let me know you're tracking. All right, I see you. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That sounds like it's about the holiness of God. But look at the next phrase with me. The whole earth is full of his glory. In other words, these seraphim creatures, as they were were describing and worshiping and as they were declaring that God was holy, the the conclusion about his holiness being seen was that God is glorious. Glorious. God is glorious. I like to describe the glory of God as a summary attribute. In other words, when you take everything else about God into account, you have to conclude he's glorious. What else can I say other than he's glorious? So you think about God is loving and God is gracious and God is merciful and God is omnipotent and God is omnipresent and God is omniscient. and He's holy and he's just. What can you say? Other than he is glorious. God never had a beginning. No one created him. He will not end. He will not expire. He will not go out of style. He will never become irrelevant. His beauty will not fade. And his wisdom will not ever increase because he's already infinitely wise. His strength will never atrophy. His memory will never fail. Say it with me. God is glorious. And we've feasted upon all that the world gives us so that our spiritual appetite and our spiritual faculties struggle to discern the glorious God who upholds it all. The the, the longing in us, we've feasted so often upon the things that cannot fulfill us, that, that it's that longing in us that we, we just wonder, can I ever be satisfied? Well, we, we, we're groping and we're longing for the grandeur of something, and it's only the grandeur of God that will satisfy. Psalm 19 verse 1 to 4 says it this way. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to all the earth in their words to the end of the world. What's that saying? That's saying every time God clears the clouds and shows forth the stars, they are speaking about the glory of God. And they go out to the end of the earth. Every human being looks up in the sky and knows that God is glorious. Some some people hate that because they want to be God. They don't want to submit to God. They want to live life their own way. They don't want to come to God on God's terms. They want to come to God on their terms. They want to create a God made up out of their own imagination. And So when they see the glory of God on display, they suppress it. And they say it's not true or they hate it or they run from it or they ignore it but the good news is is we can actually delight in it we can treasure the glory of God just a couple of nights ago Susan was talking about um, how she heard one pastor talk about what Bob talked about this morning is the vastness of the galaxies and that's what the psalmist in Psalm 19 is saying is the heavens declare the glory of God the vastness of the galaxies, and Susan was just amazed that that our galaxy is just like one tiny little speck upon galaxy upon galaxies upon galaxies. And our little finite minds struggle to comprehend the vastness of the of the of the universe. One of my favorite things to do is spoil people's beach vacations by reminding them that only five percent of the ocean has been explored by humans. <laughs> no, really, I don't want to I don't want to ruin anybody's vacation, but have. Have you thought about that? Only 5% of the ocean has been explored. So so somewhere buried deep in the ocean right now, over 70% of the earth's Earth's surface is covered with water, and only 5% of that has been explored by humans. So somewhere deep in the ocean, there's a little sea creature that no human being has ever seen, taken a picture of, or a video of, nobody's ever named it but God alone (laughs) no super scuba diver has ever laid his eyes on it it's just there declaring God is glorious God is glorious it's so critical that we have a vision of the glory of God because it's only the glory of God that will get us through the most horrific trial that we'll ever walk through Life is just filled with brokenness. It's just filled with disappointment. It's just filled with heartache after heartache after heartache after heartache. But it's the glory of God that says, no, it's worth getting out of bed today. It's it's worth believing for something better. It's, It's worth looking. You see, sports are not ultimate. Money is not ultimate. Retirement is not ultimate. Family is not ultimate. Our God is infinitely glorious. And as your pastor and friend, I want you to understand God's glory as much as possible. I want you to delight in and treasure God's glory above all things. I want you to leverage your life to make his glory known. I want you to live your lives to display his glory. I want us to be spent for the glory of God. The glory of God is... It's, it's so vast, it's so beautiful, it's so bright, it's so majestic, it's so heavy, it's so real that every sacrifice that we ever make for him will be worth it. Every sacrifice. To leave and to go to endure, to not throw in the towel, to continue to believe better, to return evil with good, to forgive rather than being bitter. Every sacrifice we make, every sacrifice, it will all be worth it because our God is glorious and the good news is you don't have to go to New York City to behold glory and you don't have to go stand on the the edge of the Grand Canyon to see something that is glorious and you don't have to attend the Super Bowl or the Final Four or the World Series to behold glory you can actually get to know God through his son Jesus Christ and behold glory 2 Corinthians Paul writes in chapter 4 verses 5 through 6 For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This this whole series, we've been talking about all these big ideas about God. It's kind of been stretching our brains a little bit. We've been saying words you've never heard of and you've never used, and you're like, it's a little overwhelming. But don't miss this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts, in that most intimate place of who you are and who I am, God has shown, he's shined his light. Of the knowledge of the glory of God. So, this vast concept that we use all these big analogies, all these big words, and we dig up all these scriptures to declare that God is majestic and mind blowingly big and infinite. The infinite is intimate. Don't miss that. The the infinite is intimate. He came as a baby. And he came as a baby so that creatures like you and me would know that the infinite is approachable. (laughs) Because how would we ever think we were welcome in the galaxy creating God's presence? How would we dare step foot into the presence of a holy, majestic God? He came as a baby. (laughs) And a baby welcomes everybody, you know? He came as a baby. He went to the cross. He died in our place. He rose victoriously from the grave. And now by his spirit, if you turn to Jesus and you trust in Jesus, God shines his light in your heart. And when he shines his light in your heart, he opens your eyes and he lets you see his glory in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. Come on, church. It doesn't get any better than that. So make today the day you stop ignoring God. So make today the day you stop running from God. So make today, make today the day that you stop putting God in a box. Make today the the day that you stop letting God be a part of your life. And begin to bow your knee and worship the Almighty. Begin to, to give Him everything. Begin to be spent for Him and live for Him. Listen, His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, we're, you know, we're men and women made of dust. But you know what the scripture says? He's crowned us with glory and honor. He's made us a little lower than the angels. His invitation is to come and to walk with him and to display his glory to the world. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's what the scripture says. And friends, listen. His glory is worth every sacrifice that we will ever make. You can get to know him deeply and intimately. You can encounter and be satisfied with his glory by drawing near to Jesus and trusting him. Let's pray together. Father, I pray you'd give us eyes of faith to see our need for Jesus and to see his sufficiency. Lord, give us eyes of faith to see your glory and to hunger for it. And give us courage to live for you. The Spirit of God, would you have your way with Real Life Church today? Would you have your have your way with every middle school heart and every high schooler's heart and every single adult, every 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 widow, Lord, and every every retired couple, Lord, every young married couple, every every pregnant mom, Lord, would you have your way in our in our lives? Do it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing out. He is worthy, church. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today.
1: We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it, Jesus.